This movie had a $61 million budget. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Your stream cut out a little bit and it like, it was choppy for a second there. And it, it sounded like you said, uh, this movie had a $61 million butt. (laughs) It did. That was just really funny. Sorry. That's what they spent their money on is, is the butt. (laughs) Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. Okay, so do you guys want to hear a story about Jordan? Basically, since we've known each other, I have known that Jordan has a particular peculiarity. I don't know. I wouldn't even call it a peculiarity peculiarity, but it's something about Jordan that I would say I struggle with sometimes. And it's the fact that when we want to watch a movie and it happens to have a book based on it, (laughs) I have to wait until he finishes such book. It's true. You know, it's, it's about the... He's a book reader. He's a book reader. I'm a movie watcher. I do love books, but he's a book reader. I think a book reader is even an overstatement because that implies that I read books often and I just don't. I like the idea of reading. and It just it just takes me a while to get through certain books. <laughs> you are a, a, a book enthusiast. Enthusi- absolutely. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. So here's the story. Um, this coming up January, which has already passed, has marked five years that I've known you. Okay. And the entirety of those five years, I've been trying to get you to watch a particular movie called Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. And the entirety of those five years, you have struggled. Mm-hmm. You have said, I need to read that book. Yes. Yes. And then... Less than a month ago, <laughs> you came to me and said, I've tried to start reading that book yeah. at the behest. Is behest a word? I don't know. I, I know it's a word. I'm not at sure if the, correctly. At the request of our dear, lovely aunts. Mm-hmm. And you tried to read it. Yeah. And guess what? I couldn't. He didn't this, like this just, it. This just makes me look terrible. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah. That is the whole point. It truly, like, and I, this is the second, Gillian, Gillian Flynn, Gillian Flynn. I feel like the girls were like, it's Gillian Flynn. I don't know. Okay. Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn, probably. It's the second book that I've tried to read of hers, and I've had to- Jury Sharp Objects? Yeah, that was the first one. And for some reason, I just, I just, I'm so sorry, girls. I just can't, I can't get into reading it. I just, I can't for some reason- So you hate women? 
I guess that's what that means. I, I didn't know myself, oh. but I know. I know. I'm so sorry. We're going to get a lot of emails. <laughs> no, that's not the case. But uh, it, it was difficult. But, I mean, I have a base now. I kind of understand. I can't even tell you how far I got. There was a lot of, like, back and forth splitting between the the guy and his wife. And it was just a lot of the repetitive chapters. I just, I just couldn't get into it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this down. Let's just dive into the movie. Let's just jump headfirst into the movie. I probably would have struggled very much with the book as well. (laughs) Uh, As for the movie, I probably struggled with the movie as well. It's probably, it is, I do remember I saw it in theaters. It was probably pretty confusing. Really? I mean, you know, I mean, it's a David Fincher film and he, I think, expects a certain amount of like, you need to come with me on this journey. (laughs) <laughs> like I want you to follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, should I tell the people that I've been drinking a little bit? I was bit? gonna say I'm surprised that you started with that story and not the reason why you're slurring. Uh, your well, words I've right been now. thinking about the fact. That I'm, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna start this story the whole time. I've been thinking about how Jordan took five years to watch to, this with me, and I've been trying to get him. Only this would have be been like, like our second episode <laughs> if he'd have freaking cooperated only to be like i don't like this and put it down like let's yeah. just watch the movie. <laughs> well i tell you what this is a genuinely uh good movie i think it has a really wonderful script you know what's funny is like rosamund pike who is the star of the film she's the female she's, star she amy i know it's yeah. nick and amy are yes. the two main characters yes yes and so amy deserved an Oscar for this film. Not an Oscar nomination. She deserved to win for this film. And yet she has been relegated to roles. Like I haven't seen her star in something that I'm actually like into in a long time. And maybe that's my fault, but I got to tell you, she deserves a lot more credit than she has been getting. I think she's fantastic. Um, I think honestly, I think Ben Affleck's fantastic. I feel bad for Ben Affleck because the he got a role deal with um his superhero roles, DC, yeah. and hopefully soon that will be that will be fixed. People will learn to appreciate that with the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Snyder Cut's coming out in March. That's going to be exciting. I'm excited about that. Okay, let's go back to. Let's go back to I'm I'm inebriated, but um, <laughs> let's go back to Rosamund Pike. What the hell? How how are they going to do her like this? I don't know. I think the only other I, and I could very much have this actress wrong, but was she in? Have you seen? Is it Girl on the Train? Have you seen that with Emily Blunt? Yeah, I don't know. That that's I don't think that's her. That's not her. Uh uh-uh. uh. All right, give me one second while I look up Rosamund Pike. What are we looking at? Oh, yeah, that's not her. Just kidding. Okay, so here's the thing. I remember seeing this movie and being absolutely blown away. This movie is so good. People love this movie. I think David Fincher has directed, in my opinion, perfect films. David Fincher has directed... I am a, um, I am one hundred percent obsessed with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I think it is magnificent. Mm-hmm. I think he did a wonderful job 
my favorite, absolute 100% favorite movie is what? From from him. David Fincher? Yeah. What is it? Oh, I have no idea. It's not one. It's not two. It's three. not three. Four. It's not four. It's not five. It's not six. It's seven. It's seven. Oh, okay. What's okay. <laughs> in the box? Yes. Okay. Seven is perfect. Seven is my favorite. I mean, it's just, it's like probably my favorite murder mystery. It's probably my favorite. It's not even a murder mystery. It's just my favorite everything. I mean, it's just perfect. It is literally flawless. And I think he just was able to tell a more complex story, a more exciting story, a it's, story, a more dynamic story. And like, I love Seven. I mean, it's, not, it's just perfect. Sorry, say what you were going to say. Well, I was going to, I thought, at first I thought you were talking about Gone Girl, about it being an exciting story. All of that too. Really? I just, I, so from what I know of the, of what I've read of the book, it just didn't seem like it was, it could go anywhere. Like I am, I just don't know what to expect. I don't know why I'm so eager to figure out why this is such a celebrated movie. And that's, that's why I wanted to read the book first is because this is like, it's, it's one of the most celebrated, most loved movies. People love this movie. They really do. Well, like good. I mean, okay. So, okay. Okay. Hold on. Okay. This particular story, I understand how maybe you would have you would have started off being like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, what is happening?" However, I would urge anybody that has not seen this film to watch it before you see Take Two because we are going to spoil the hell out of it because we will have no choice because this film. I mean, like there are parts of this film. You know who was the standout role for me? This Tyler Perry. Oh my god, I didn't know he was I, in this. It's been a while, but I think he had something to do with like their legal strategy. He might have been their lawyer or something. In the movie. He's no in real life. No. I wasn't I, I didn't yeah, know if you were talking no, about. They him. were represented by Tyler real life Perry. Tyler Perry. <laughs> so Tyler Perry was, I believe, something to do with their law strategy. Someone's law strategy. Maybe not, but maybe their PR. I don't know. But he was in it. And I really loved him. There are other characters that you will probably like. be like, whoa, I didn't know he was in it either. And you will be blown away. This is a movie wherein I have seen it and you have not. Yep. That's exciting. Yep. That's something that we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's what – I mean it's – can we call this a romance movie for Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We are celebrating – Romance and love with this um, really, really, really fucked up story <laughs> of love and romance. I gotta tell you, I I do remember watching this at that very end and being like, "Oh my god!" Just being like, "Holy shit!" I mean, I, no one, no one that's listening to this, I feel like could feel any other way than being like. Whoa! Like, so does that they mean, did this? Does they that, did this. Okay, so should I go in expecting a twist? Should I go in expecting just like something really disturbing to no, happen? It's not necessarily a twist. I think you would probably be able to gather just from the fact that it's called Gone Girl that like 
I think that all that you need to do is go into it with an open mind, but also knowing that like you're going to be taken on a ride and and take every specific avenue, take every specific character arc seriously because there's a lot that's about to unfold. And you know what? I'm drunk, so it may you guys may be like, "Wow, niggas just overreacting to this," but. I think it, you know, is really special. I'm drunk also, but I'm also something else. But, like, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Because it's Virginia. We're in Virginia. (laughs) You just got back from a first birthday party. First birthday party where Stella Stella. (laughs) is cousin's dog. (laughs) Yes. My cousin and his boyfriend celebrate... Um, their dog's birthdays, and that's wonderful. That's yeah, their baby, that's and cool. she may be a monster, but <laughs> she she is one, and she is wonderful. She ate a lot of cake and threw up right on the carpet, and it was just it was a lovely day. Yeah, but uh, I had a really to, nice evening. I had a DD, so I'm taking care of you. Make sure you drink a lot of water tonight. Yeah, I'm not always, or he's not always the DD. I am sometimes the dd as well i am always bullshit (laughs) bullshit last time i was okay i i'm really excited about this movie i'm like i'm pumped to watch it i tried so hard not to say that it like that pause a little bit ago was me being like i can't say i'm so excited about this i really can't we talk about okay so this is take three a movie oh we're really excited for this podcast and you know it's fine because this is our podcast and we are are excited yes i'm proud of everybody here i think i'm really happy with everybody listening to us i want everybody to know that you are loved and valued and cherished. And I want everybody here to know that too. Um, between you and I, I want you to know that I think that you are a integral cog in the machine <laughs> that is Take 3 a Movie Podcast. Thanks. Uh, do you believe that? I believe that you think that, yes. No, but do you believe that I think that? <laughs> yes, that's what I said, yes. Do you believe that you think that? I mean, I, I think you could manage this podcast just fine. Actually, there's something I've been meaning to talk to you about. I think... What? I think uh, I think I might be retiring from this. Are you going to retire? Yeah. You got to carry this on your own. He's so old, ladies and gentlemen. He has to... Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, everything in between. I feel bad for sometimes saying ladies and gentlemen because that's not progressive. It is. Yeah. Everyone... Everyone, folks, ladies, gentlemen, everything that you want to be or that you don't even want to be but that you know you are, I just want to tell you that we appreciate you, we love you, and we will continue to deliver you wonderful episodes. I Don't promise that much. No. Don't promise well, that I much. I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> live to the barn with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you remember this from a half hour ago, but we were walking back from the car to my apartment, uh-huh. and someone parked next to us, and we're getting out at the same time. Yeah. You were standing there. I was like, can you put your jacket on and walk at the same time? No, was the answer. You could not do that. So we, I was just, you were standing there putting on your jacket. It took like five minutes. 
And this guy was unpacking his trunk and he was carrying a guitar and an amp <gasps> with him. Yes. Yeah. I remember the amp guy. You I finally, remember the guitar guy. You finally got your jacket on and you just stared at this guy. Yeah. As he was like walking to the sidewalk. He said, Jordan, look. Look at this guy. I said, I see him. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. And you said, uh, have a good night, sir. Uh, music. Oh, what did you say? Music is the essence of life. Yeah. Yeah. You said, and thanks for bringing that to us. And boy, was that an adventure. God bless him. <laughs> you know what? Anytime I see one of those guitar cases, I think there's a gun in it. Oh, lovely. From Desperado. Lovely. And you just stared at him and said, hey, sir, I hope you have a good night. He wasn't going to kill us. He was going to kill the bad guys. Yes, of course. Look, guys, we're going to do this. Look, guys, girls, and everyone everyone that exists, we love you. We cherish you. And we want you to know that we are doing Gone Girl tonight. And we're so pumped. Why are you looking at me? No, I'm, you're doing a great job. I'm killing it. I'm killing the game. <laughs> First of all, shout out to Nick and Jordan for killing it as always. Am I right? Yeah, they're awesome. Hey, I'm Stephen Crocker. I wanted to take a second to invite you to check out my new podcast called Dumbest in the Room. I talk with people who have different jobs and are life experiences and learn a little bit about what it is that they do and how they got there. The best way to stay learning is to always be the dumbest in the room. It's been a lot of fun talking with and learning from people, and I hope you'll join me. You can follow Dumbest in the Room at Dumbest ITR on all platforms, and the show is available everywhere you get podcasts. Back to you guys. Take two. Okay, I first off just want to apologize for whatever happened in take one. I don't remember much of it, and I haven't listened to it back. But how are you feeling? <laughs> I do remember feeling a bit uh, out of sorts, but I feel much better now. Honestly, we might need to do every take with you drunk because I don't think we'll need to edit a single thing in that, <laughs> in that take. Like it was just such a smooth conversation. Uh, I think we we found we found what works. We found the magic potion to making this thing work. We did indeed. It's me being drunk out of my mind. So I'm gonna need you to go get some uh, margaritas in you. Um, <laughs> we want to just stop here for a bit while you go fuel up. <laughs> I think I probably had six margaritas in an hour last night so that was a lot you can put them down though yeah man they were good as hell i freaking love them we did watch gone girl yeah and i am both relieved and furious i think i'm furious because i am upset that i didn't follow through with reading the book because i think i read all the way up to the point where it like just got good and and the big reveal happened that she was sort of doing all of this herself and she was the mastermind behind everything yeah um i stopped right before that however i'm also relieved because there's so many specifics in this movie that i think i'm still a little bit confused about that if i was reading them in a book i'm not sure i'd even be able to follow them there so like i don't know it's a toss-up but I am so glad that I finally saw it because, damn, that was good. That was so fun. Especially looking back on it once you know what's going on. Yeah. You can kind of like realize that pretty much for the first half of the film, the majority of what you're seeing play out with them is not real. Mm-hmm. And that's so fascinating. That's such an interesting storytelling technique. Yeah. 
I hadn't seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. It had been a very long time. I'm not sure why, but it, it had just been a very long time. And I don't know why, but I thought I remembered the reveal, the fact that she's actually not dead coming much later in the movie. But it's like about halfway through. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole other storyline with her not being dead. She is such a fantastic actress. She does such a wonderful job here. She's she's murdered this role. She absolutely obliterated it. And you the whole time you were saying, I'm I'm so upset that she was not she did not win an Oscar for this performance. I think I am too. Like she absolutely deserved it. Nick could have been played by anyone. Like his character, I don't really he's whatever. But Amy's character, like she knocked this one out of the park. That was such a great performance and such a great character and role. I think that Ben Affleck did a good job, but I mean, you're did, right. He you're did right. A good, he, he did a good job, but that character specifically could have, could have been played by him. He was just a, a dull kind of character, I guess. It just kind of felt like he was Ben Affleck. Like, I don't know Ben Affleck personally. He probably could have played that role in his sleep. Yeah. Whereas, you know what I was thinking about, though? On my way home today, I was going through the movie in my head and trying to pinpoint times where you could see sparks of humanity in her character because by the end of it, you really do sort of get this idea that, I mean, yeah, she's a woman scorned, but she also clearly has psychopathic, sociopathic tendencies. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. She said like a calculating robot kind of. Yeah. Like clearly she has the ability to kill and do whatever she needs to, to get vengeance on this man. And I feel like the only time that I really kind of see it is when they take her, they take her money, her friend and her friend's boyfriend. At like that cabin house. Yeah. Yeah, Like take the money and she sort of breaks down at that point. But like, other than that, it's, And it's not really a bad thing because she's, like, in control and this movie doesn't have to – I don't feel like you always have to have a character show vulnerability to be an interesting character. Yeah. Maybe to to be a well-rounded character, it's a different thing. But she's ostensibly the villain in the latter half of this movie. So I don't know that she has to have but so much humanity. But I was like, that's really the only point that I could think of just trying to remember – the film in my head because so much of the points where we're supposed to feel sorry for her were fabricated. Yeah. Yeah. I did notice something I picked up on that I really loved about this movie was the music was very telling. I noticed that anytime she was writing in her journal and it was sort of sort of showing those flashbacks of her life, there was constant music. It was sort of this like this mellow, like it was almost vaguely kind of house music that played like the entire flashback. And it would only stop when it would go back to Nick's point of view. And towards the later half of the movie, when she was sort of revealing all of these things about herself and, and her, her plan was sort of revealed to everyone else. You didn't hear that music as much. Um, and you did kind of hear it when she was putting on like that facade, like that face that, you know, she's, you know, fabricating the truth and everything. So I want to look more into that. I definitely will be watching this movie again. It's free on Hulu as of recording this. So if you have Hulu, you should, uh, that's a place that you can watch it. Two very um, interesting points. I mean, the music, uh, yeah, I'm still, it's, I don't know. Like for some reason I still have trouble with that. Like on first viewing, that's not the first thing that I look for or pay attention to. 
you know, of I, any movie, you mean? Yeah, to be honest with yeah. you, because I, you know, I, I remember in um, film appreciation classes, they were like, "We're gonna ruin movies for you because you'll never be able to turn this off." Well, I do. Like, I can go back <laughs> and and pay attention to it, but I don't always have it on. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm trying to be a fan first, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and then can go back and pay more attention. But the fact that you notice that on your first viewing, that's awesome. I just really love film scores. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. I'm gl- I, yeah, I can tell. You yeah. Are, yeah. You, like, this is a good one. I don't know if we um, have told you guys lately. I know we've talked about it at some point, but I have two Spotify playlists, and they're called Scored and then Scored Animated. And they're, they're like two little games, and anytime. Uh, Jordan and I are in the car together. I'll play from the playlist, and it's a bunch of uh, movie scores from different films that you know you've seen. And he can guess them within like two or three seconds. And I'm definitely going to add this movie score to it for sure. Well, I can't wait. I think who did we we looked it up when when I brought it up when we were watching it. Do we remember? Was it Trent Reznor or something? Yeah, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yes. Yes. And I think you said that they worked closely with the director often. Like they're on a bunch of his projects. Yeah, like Dragon Tattoo and Social Network. I think at least Trent Reznor worked on Mank. I'm not sure, but this isn't about, yeah, Mank. But I'm obsessed with David Fincher. I really love (laughs) his films. How does this rank... With seven for you. I feel like I remember telling you guys in, in take one that seven is my favorite David Fincher movie. I might not have. I might have meant to have. But um, I would say this is like right behind it, to be honest with you. Okay, so this and Dragon Tattoo are would be like the top three for sure. I love Panic Room. Panic Room is incredible. I like that one too. I like Benjamin Button. I love the game. What else is there? Social social network, great, huh? I was going to say you said social network. There was one more that you mentioned that was another book adaptation. I don't remember what it was though. I remember having seen it. Oh, Fight Club. Yes, Fight Club. That's what I want to do for this podcast. It's it's going to be an episode where I just talk all about uh, Chuck Palahniuk the whole time, which I'm okay with. But uh, Chuck Palahniuk being the author of the book Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. And David David Fincher also did Zodiac. Uh, sort of like out of order, we've named most of his his films <laughs> other than like Alien 3, which is actually his first film and is not fantastic. Clearly, he has definitely grown as a filmmaker for sure. <laughs> he did like music videos at the beginning. Did he really? Yeah. Interesting. Have we done one of his movies before? No, I guess I we haven't. I don't think so. I think we talked about Seven in like a quick take or something. I remember that being a big part of one of these episodes. Maybe I'm dreaming of that, but yeah, I don't think we've done any of his movies yet. I'd like to do seven one day as well. He's, he's responsible for a lot of wonderful media. And I think he has, he's like a filmmaker that even though he's not like the writer of the films, he, I still feel like he has a very distinct tone and feel and vision with his films. Like a lot of times it's very easy to be like, Oh, okay. Quentin Tarantino or, Jordan Peele or like, I don't know, just a lot of these like modern filmmakers that are also the writers of their films, they're the the auteurs, but David Fincher stamps 
himself onto these films regardless of whether or not he had anything to do with the source material. So we're proud of you, David Fincher. We know you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, and I will be watching before take three again. Um, It honestly, it kind of, like, as I was watching it, and it's I had the same experience that I did with the book, where I was like, in the beginning, I was like, is this another one of those, like, Girl on the Train? This is the reason Girl on the Train was made. Yeah, like... Like, Gone Girl's success is why all those movies (laughs) followed. Yeah, and, and... it, it, it wasn't until I got to the twist where I was like, oh, okay, now I'm invested. Now I get like, this is some shit. Like this is some awesome shit. I am uh, going to tell them though, that like the whole first half of the movie, you're going to be like, it's the sister. They're focusing on her way too much for it to not be the sister. It's totally so, the sister. Every time she was on screen, why is she there? I'm like, well, she's like a main character. She's a character. Sure. But she's like one of the only characters that isn't the police force. That isn't the victim. That isn't the abuser. Uh, and it's like, it just seemed like that was the direction it was going to go. And I thought that even reading the book, I'm like, there's something off about her. She didn't like Amy. They like, they butt they butt heads all the time. So very clearly a red herring. Like I think we were supposed to believe that it was possible that it could be the sister in one way or another, but, but I loved Mark. I loved her. I thought she turned out to be one of my favorite characters. She did do a really good job. Supporters. Like I liked her better than Nick. I I don't know. Nick's character is just so bland and blah. We did get a a dick shot out of it. And I'm, I'm not mad about that. We got a couple in this movie. I think we got one from Neil Patrick Harris too. Well, even if we didn't, I envisioned it. (laughs) <laughs> I pretended it was there. You were like, oh, I forgot he was gay when we were watching. <laughs> yeah, they were like into it. And I'm like, well, shit. Yeah. You brought up like, David Burka. And I'm like, well, oh, fuck. He's gay. He is. <laughs> no, because you were like, oh, yeah, he's probably so soft right now. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, because like when actors are doing it, it's like the least sexy thing because it's I, fake, you know. I but always, always wondered that. Like what – what techniques do they have to do so that like when you're in a sex scene that doesn't happen? Well, in this particular circumstance, cast a gay actor. Yep, just be gay. Yep, just be gay. That's that's our slogan. Just be gay. <laughs> uh, favorite character in this movie is uh, Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love good. him so much. He's like y'all the most surprise. fucked up individuals I've ever. I just oh my god, I love the gummy bear thing. He's just wonderful. Yeah, that was really, really good. And you point out, you're like, I'm so glad we have a drag queen in this movie. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, it's true. A drag queen and a gay person, and they're not the same person. (laughs) I am sorry. I formally apologize. I'm sorry it took this long. But we finally took that step, and I'm better for it. So, yeah. We did the damn thing. I forgive you. (laughs) Take three. Okay, so now I've listened and edited take one and take two, and I really do need to apologize for take one because (laughs) while it is long and ridiculous and a lot of me telling you how much, how incredible this movie is and how proud I am of of everyone involved and everything, uh, I didn't take any of it out, really. I made probably like... I cut a little bit of pauses, but that's about it. It's all still there. I told you. Yeah. I told you that like that we've we've found we've found the formula. We've found <laughs> like 
it, it needed no edits. It was just like one big smooth discussion. It was perfect. It was great. I got to tell you, I do think that there is something special that happens when we are recording side by side rather than via Skype like we are now. I don't know. I feel more comfortable and I think we're able to like bounce off each other more easily. You don't think it was the alcohol? <laughs> See, when I think of recording together, I always think of like the difficulty of editing because if there's something that happens in the background of one person's mic, I can't take it out. So like I guess there are pros and cons to either, I suppose. But Mr. Negative here. I just don't like you, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god, do we want to tell them about what we just watched? Speaking Oh, of we're going to talk about it here? <laughs> do you want to? I don't care, I guess. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> I'm so I'll, let you tell it I'll tell the story cuz it's my computer that's fucking up. So I'm like <laughs> my computer's making this like sound and it's gone right now. For some weird reason, or maybe maybe you guys can hear it and I just can't at the moment. But like, so I'm like, okay, what could possibly be making my computer maybe like overheat or something? And I look at my storage and I'm like, oh shit, I need to clear out some stuff. You know, I think I had like a terabyte of hard drive and I probably had about 200 gigs left. And I'm like, okay, time to clear some stuff out. And I go to like the most, it, it has this option where you can click it. And it'll show you your biggest files. And I was scrolling down and I saw this video of me. And I'm like, well, I'm recording myself. And I clicked it. And it's me <laughs> recording my response to a trailer. that I used to do that a lot for you. Because you used to enjoy watching me watch trailers. Because apparently I'm interesting or entertaining to watch trailers. Or watch me watch trailers. Okay. So it's Jigsaw, uh, the what is the eighth Jigsaw, the eighth Saw movie that came out a couple years ago. Turns out it's absolutely terrible, but I'm watching it. <laughs> and is that the one that we saw in theaters together? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. And I am just sobbing, like I just break <laughs> down. I'm so excited. I mean, like I am crying my eyes out. And I, I sent you the message. I just sent it to you because I was like, you know what, this is – I mean, I, you've seen it before, obviously. You're the person I recorded it for. And I was like, I am such a loser. <laughs> and you were like, <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> it was very entertaining. To see me cry. Yeah. See me yeah. we. I mean, it was bad. Yep. Especially because I was thinking, I was like, I, this has to be the movie that we thought – was not good. So like watching this back is just, it's just funny. It's just yeah, really funny. They can cut a bomb ass trailer. That trailer still is exciting, <laughs> but just knowing that like, it's just not a Saw movie and it's really, it has like a really weird shitty ending. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. But yeah, I, I'm the type of person that cries during trailers. <laughs> and now the whole world knows it. Anyway, Anyway, okay, so Gone Girl. I'm going to talk about the money. I normally start out with that, so I will start out with that now. This movie had a $61 million budget. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your stream cut out a little bit, and it like it was choppy for a second there. 
And it, it sounded like you said, uh, this movie had a $61 million butt. <laughs> it did. That was just really funny. Sorry. That's Continue. what they spent their money on is, is the butt. <laughs> um, but they also had a $61 million budget. And mm-hmm. based off that, they made $369 million worldwide. Uh, 167 of that was domestic, 201 of that was international. So it's a decently good split between domestic and international. Obviously made great money. It's a very successful David Fincher film, especially in 2014. It's not an action movie. It's not like a big blockbuster, but it was still able to make a a good amount of money. And um, there's this, sorry, okay. I'm recording under a blanket and there's like this, this little thread that was driving me nuts. Sorry. (laughs) If I seem distracted in that last comment, it's because there's, I can't, I can't focus if there's shit like dangling. Um, Yeah. Good for this movie. It made a lot of money. And I guess my point was just that a film that is essentially a personal struggle between a couple of the main characters making that much money is pretty impressive to me. Definitely. Do you know the Rotten Tomatoes score? Yes. 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So that puts it in the top tier of ones we've done so far. Well-deserved. I think so. And I'm sure that the naysayers are probably the ones that didn't like the ending. I feel like this movie lives or dies on its ending. I think the ending may have turned some people off that it's sort of like, oh, she won. (laughs) And uh, this guy's screwed. I would argue that I was rooting for her the whole time. Kind of like, okay, but yes, you're rooting for her the whole time. And yes, like I think Amy is, is clearly set up to be the villain in this film, but you do wind up rooting for her and you're happy that he gets his comeuppance as well. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. That's a hard struggle to, to, to think because like he is the guy who is sort of exonerated at the end. Mm-hmm. You think he's done this horrible thing and nope, he didn't. I mean, he's done horrible things, but he didn't do that particular horrible thing. Yeah. However, the genius of her plan sort of makes us like her more. Right, right. I think that's what I struggled with most, both watching it and researching, was it was really tough to figure out how I'm supposed to feel about all of these characters. Totally. Is this a, is this a movie about misogyny? Is this a feminist movie? Is this an anti-feminist movie? I just, it was really kind of a roller coaster. Yeah. And I could definitely sympathize with, with Amy. I mean, she does wind up committing murder and, and, <laughs> and I, I mean, when she wins, she's got this guy trapped and it's yeah. because she was manipulative and lied and committed fraud and all of this stuff. So it's like morally wrong. But then on the other side, he is a misogynistic, cheating asshole. But like, I don't dislike either of the characters. <laughs> Isn't that weird? You're right, no. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I kind of was, I did feel bad for him in the end. I think I, I finished that movie with the feeling of, I'm glad that she won, but also... I'm glad that this is not happening to me. It's sort of like <laughs> looking from the outside. I'm like, oh, I'm yep. glad that I am not Nick right now. So Totally. Okay, well, we can talk a little bit about Roisman Pike. She was, she was nominated for Best Actress at the 87th Academy Awards. 
and I have talked about how pissed off I am that she didn't win. But uh, looking back on it, I, I looked into it. She actually lost to Julianne Moore and Still Alice, which is a oh. remarkable performance. Yeah, and I'm like not nearly as mad that she didn't win now that I've actually seen Still Alice. Like I hadn't at the time. It yeah. was like one of those uh, categories where I had only seen the one movie that I was rooting for and <laughs> obviously she didn't win. But now that I've seen Still Alice, like I get it. But still, uh, you know, Oscars are very subjective and a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant performance it may not even get nominated. It is a shame when when the competition is so stacked in a year where it's yeah. like, I'll never forget that I, uh, you know, it's, I, I say I'll never forget, but I forgot almost every detail of this story. But I remember <laughs> someone came out one time and was presenting an Oscar and they said, if you win, you will join the ranks of this person, this person, and this person. And they're all these famous celebrity, brilliant actors, right? But if you lose, you'll join the ranks of this person, this person, and this person. And they're just as amazing people who've lost Aww. Oscars. And I yeah. was like, I think that's great. It really is a huge deal to be nominated. And this totally deserved it, in my opinion. Agreed. Speaking of that, I just have some kind of behind the scenes that kind of fits into this. So apparently Emily Blunt, Jessica Chastain, Abby Cornish, Rooney Mara, Natalie Portman, Charlize Theron, and Olivia Wilde were all considered to be Amy. That's awesome. There's not a single one on that list that I'll be like, oh yeah, you could do a better job than than she did in the movie. I just, she just stole the show for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, she's fantastic. Like I honestly, I think there's just like a bit of curiosity in me to see people like Rooney Mara and Charlize Theron mm -hmm. try it because I think they would definitely bring something different, but they do have that. There's like a craziness to some of the actors <laughs> that you just listed. And mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know Rosamund Pike. The first thing I'd ever seen her in is this, at least that I've noted. Maybe she's in something else that I hadn't even thought of or I hadn't recognized her, but this was like, the first thing. Obviously, all these other actors I know from other things. And maybe it was cool that she was just Amy for me. I was able yeah. to just see Amy versus, right, you know. Right. I, saw, uh, I also saw Reese Witherspoon was also one of the yeah. people. Yeah. She, her, I think it was around the time that her, uh, like, personal production company was just starting. I think she, at, at one point, had the rights to this and she was going to play Amy. Yeah. Um, but even I mean, then, she is like, a I'm producer. Thinking, yeah, I, I think I'm thinking that like I, I know her already as this sort of suburban uh, character in you know Big Little Lies, and I think she was in Little Fires Everywhere. So like to me, it would seem almost too close. Well, this was like, before it, that, but I do think that the trajectory of her career might have changed because I don't know that she could play this role and then audiences might not have accepted her as the role she played in those other stories. I just meant personally, just because I, you know, I, I just saw this. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I, I totally get that. Um, I guess my, my point is that like, if she'd have done this, it, it might not, we might not have gotten big little lies in the same way because yeah, yeah. this is something, this is a, uh, a career defining role. If you do mm -hmm. it right. Does that, does that make sense? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I could. I think Reese Witherspoon's the only one that we brought up that I couldn't see doing this. 
<laughs> you know, I just uh, you're right though. Like I totally now that you know we're watching this now, I will forever see her in Big Little Lies, and she's fantastic in it. That is Reese yeah. Witherspoon. You know. Yep. Yep. Not that she can't transform and and do great in other roles. I think she's a fantastic actress. I love everything I've ever seen her do. And um, I really do. I don't want to like discredit her, but like I always see her in Big Little Lies. Like that's what I think of because that's such an iconic performance of hers. Agreed. Have you watched the second season yet? No. So okay. You need to. So I watched the first episode, and I was like, "There's no sort of mystery." Like they didn't present. Like in the first season, the first episode, they're like somebody's been killed like something there's like this mystery right and in the second season they didn't really set anything like that up and it just didn't grab me and i was like i don't know if i want to watch this week to week now that it's bingeable i probably will eventually go Binge back it. and watch like both seasons um, yeah. just because it's probably one of the shows now that is like the most stacked when it comes to incredible actors like talent, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I can't think of too many other shows that have like that many titans, right? And that's that's why you're watching. I would say the first season is uh, is the conflict itself, and the second season is more of the aftermath. But if we want to talk about shows that like really don't overstay their welcome or or just keep pumping out seasons just because, I think this is a show that wrapped up beautifully and perfectly. And I think you just need to see it to the end. It's 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 just a really, really amazing show. Well, good. I'm glad that you feel that way, and I definitely will give it a shot. I really will. I nice. mean, on your based on your recommendation, pretty much alone, because I don't really know too many people that stuck with it, honestly. I, and I don't know. That could just be my opinion, but I, I don't know how the rest of the world feels about it. I've not heard many reviews, but I personally really enjoyed it. Um <laughs> Going back to the uh, actor selection for this movie, on the flip side, there were a couple people that were considered for Nick, uh, including John Hamm, Brad Pitt, and even Seth Rogen. And I think with any combination of any one of these, you know, actors or actresses, it would have been a completely different movie. Totally. On the flip side, I really any if they were to flip out any of these men for Ben Affleck, I'm not sure I would have had my opinion changed about, I just really don't like Nick's character. He's like the most bland. He could be played by anyone. Okay. So let's go person by person. Then Brad Pitt, I would watch him do anything. I'd be okay with him doing this. Seth Rogen though. I don't know. I don't think I would ever believe that he would be cast in a movie wherein he actually killed his wife. Like I would think immediately, okay, something else is going on here. True, true, very true. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, it'd be interesting to see him in a role that's not comedic. But I mean, he really does play this. I feel like in any movie, he could very easily play this sort of uh, man child husband that, you know, Amy is so frustrated with. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a sort right. of <laughs> every man quality to Nick, which makes yeah. it so that we can sort of project ourselves into his situation which makes it a lot harder to watch, to be honest with you. Like there are certain qualities of Nick that I can identify with, not like the the cheating or the, you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> the, the really awful ones, but just some of the reactions that he has to certain things. I feel like 
his character is almost sort of like a canvas that we can project ourselves onto so that it makes it even harder for us to watch what he's going through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I know that one of the reasons that Ben Affleck got the role is because he's been on, under intense media scrutiny his entire life. Why? Just because, like, he's been a celebrity for a long time. He's gone through uh, addictions. He's been to rehab. He's gone. He's had a very public divorce. You know, so hmm. it almost seems like a role that was written for someone like him to play. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't. These these other guys are kind of. I wouldn't say like not scandalous, but th- their their private lives aren't as public, other than Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt's the one I think he could also um, he could also definitely uh, check some of those boxes for sure. And he was in Fight Club. He certainly was. Oh, let's talk about Fight Club. I just had this little thing. Uh, I thought you might like the fact that I read uh, in an article in the New Yorker that compared this movie to Fight Club. Uh, I'm mm. going to read this quote that they gave. He says, uh, "The movie crosses the thin line that divides genre fiction from postmodern fiction. It is decisively unreal in the manner of Fight Club, a movie in which the actual and the symbolic occupied the same slice of reality." So, I think it's. It's very interesting that from the same director, um, you have these two movies where uh, you can't necessarily believe the main characters, what they're saying. Everything shouldn't be taken at face value. Like There's just imaginary things going on and being played out like they're real. And yeah. you, you have to walk a really fine line when you do something like that because I think you might risk losing your audience – um, when you're telling a story where you're sort of bending the rules of reality, mm-hmm. you're lying to the people that you're, you're, pre- you are, you're lying to the people that you're presenting this movie to. And, yeah, yeah. um, I really like that both of the, like he was able to sort of do that in a, in a unique way in both films, but they're both from David Fincher, another, you know, stamp of his amazing directing like something that you know he's able to do the same thing in two different films they're vastly different but they do have that thing in common where someone in the new yorker would connect them together i think it's also interesting that both of them were adapted from books absolutely these were not his own properties they were you know adapted and Mm -hmm. um it's cool that they both have those themes that's cool he chooses really interesting projects i mean several of his movies have been adapted i mean dragon tattoo is another one Oh, true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love Dragon Tattoo. Tattoo. I really want to do Dragon Tattoo at some point. Sorry. <laughs> well, I want to do Fight Club at some point, so we may just have like a David Fincher period in our podcast. Well, th- that's fine because we've never done one of his movies. It's true. I just think like <laughs> we've we've done repeat – have we done repeat directors? Um. Yeah, Ari Aster. At, at least once, yeah. Um. I just think like <laughs> doing – uh, a repeat actor back to back to back would be funny, but uh, yeah, it would be. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm totally game. So you know, Ben Affleck is a director, right? No, he's not. Yes, he is. Say that again. I said you know Ben Affleck is a director. I thought you said is the director, and I'm like, you're wrong. <laughs> he is not. <laughs> yes, he's yes. I know he he's a director. The director, the only director. Yeah, well, he's a like director. Of this movie. <laughs> no. And it's like, no, we, we're just talking about this. What the fuck? 
Okay, so he directed uh, Gone Baby Gone and what is it? The Town and Argo. Yes. You ask me what Argo means. What does Argo mean? It means Argo, fuck yourself. Or something like that. I probably got it wrong, but it's Argo, fuck yourself. I think of that all the time. That line. That is like the greatest line in that whole movie. Uh, Okay, so he's a great director. Like really, you know, sort of really having a great resurgence in his career because of his directing. He um, postponed directing Live by Night in order, which is which was the like the following movie he he did right after Batman versus Superman. He postponed that film in order to work with David Fincher. He he basically he said, "quote He's the only director I've ever met who can do everyone else's job better than they can." Oh, damn! So and, and there's this story basically where uh, Affleck goes and he changes this lens setting on a camera like so slightly that you wouldn't notice. Like you wouldn't no none of us would ever notice that the the lens setting is different on the on the camera right so and he bet the crew member that fincher would not notice and immediately fincher was like why does the camera look so dim (laughs) that's funny i think that's great that he's that much of a perfectionist but he actually does seem like a cool guy like he's not like a Kubrick perfectionist um i mean he might be i've never worked with him obviously i'd love to he just seems like a chill guy I hope that's the case as well. Especially like we just got the news about Joss Whedon and uh, I'm not sure that was a surprise to many people, but no, I mean, um, he's had a lot of issues in the past. It's just another person coming forward. And the fact that it was Prisma Carpenter, who is one of my favorite characters on both shows. It's just, it is heartbreaking that her experience was terrible. And um, it really does suck that it takes that long. You know what I mean? That someone could feel like trapped. Uh, it's that much of a danger to themselves or their career, or that yep. that they can't process it mentally. Like it just it it's devastating. But I don't I don't know that David Fincher has any drama like that at the moment. <laughs> I do know that he is like a really good television producer as well because he did Mindhunter. Uh, he's a producer on Love, Sex, and Robots. Are we talking about David Fincher or Joss Yeah, David Fincher. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about Mindhunter. Everyone that I've talked to about it absolutely loves the show, is obsessed with it. I've watched a few scenes of it, and it is so much dialogue, it seems very difficult to follow or or like hold my attention. So I have my hesitations about it. But now that I know that David Fincher yeah. worked on this, I have like, now I want to jump right into it. Totally. Have you watched it? No, no, I've <sighs> never seen a frame of it. Oh and I, I did know that he was a part of it, but it was just one of those shows that I was like, I'll get to eventually, you know, yeah. I like, <laughs> I like light, happy stuff. <laughs> I really do. Like, you know, it's funny. I mean, my favorite genre of, of film is horror. But I was going to say, we, I we just talked TV. about how you cried at a Saw trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love happy stuff. <laughs> I, well, I get happy about that. When I fall asleep, I play Desperate Housewives, I'll play <laughs> Friends reruns, or I'll watch The Challenge. Nice. So like when I'm exercising, I'll have The Challenge on. 
to just sort of ease myself to sleep, I'll watch Desperate Housewives because I want to pay attention to that because I haven't seen it since it came on television. And then for once, once I get tired, just to have something on, I'll turn Friends on because I can fall asleep to Friends because I've seen every episode, know every word. So it's quite the routine. Yeah, it is. I'm not judging. Yes, you are. I am okay. not judging. Speaking of my crazy routine, uh, this the working title of this film is Psycho Bitch. Oh my god, really? Yeah, isn't that funny? Holy shit. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, like, the, they always have working titles for films just to sort of, like, not tell you exactly what they're working on. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's called Psycho Bitch. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I do kind of like that as a way of, like maybe owning that kind of nickname maybe like i think my first thing is like okay this whole time i'm not sure if i should be like is this is this taking that like oh all women are psychos you know, stereotype and like bringing it to the to the forefront and amplifying it and then i hear that name and i'm like okay well i'm not so sure about that but maybe that was just their way of like taking that word and owning it i don't know yeah, I mean, like, I don't think that this movie is saying that all women – or is trying to comment that, like, all women are psychos. I think uh, you're, you're, you're seeing the danger. It's like a cautionary tale when two people are so wrong for each other yeah. and get in this toxic relationship, the, the fallout from that. Right. And this particular woman uh, has – I don't – I can't diagnose her. However, uh, she definitely, you know, was able to m- to murder at will um, <laughs> to 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 forward her stance in the game between mm-hmm. her and Nick. So um, I don't want to, you know, call her a psycho bitch, but she she did the damn thing, and like part <laughs> of me is proud of her, and part of me is like terrified, and I don't know yeah. what it all means. Like I, I mean, like none of you guys know what it means either, like. I, this movie is really – we don't have the answers. This movie is just an enigma. It's like very subjective about how you feel in particular. We're not telling yeah. you how to feel. I think every single one of you is going to have a different reaction to how this movie kind of plays out. I think it's what I love about this movie is that it's it's really not very clear cut. No. Uh, a lot of the research that I showed, there were arguments on both sides. People hated this movie. People loved it for different reasons. And I think that's – that's a skill. Like that's a talent that David Fincher brought and, or even Gillian Flynn, I guess is okay. So I don't know if it's Gillian or Jillian, but miss Flynn not (laughs) only wrote this book, but I didn't even, I forgot this. She adapted her own book and she's the screenwriter. She's the sole screenwriter on this film. Yeah. Oh, good for her. That's awesome. Yeah. So she made a wonderful transition because being an author and being a screenwriter are incredibly different skills. And maybe mm-hmm. she had some help because she was adapting her own work. But I think of someone like J.K. Rowling, who was an author and you know made one of the most popular series ever. And then she goes over and tries to do screenwriting and not for her. Also, just want to say I do not support J.K. Rowling. <laughs> no. But I'm just using her as an example. Right. But Gillian Flynn, Gillian Flynn, Miss Flynn did a, a fantastic job. I know that our aunts have very much encouraged me to watch what is it called? Sharp Objects. Yeah. Which is another thing that she has been a part of. And mm-hmm. um 
I watched one episode of that and was like, no, thank you. But again, I think it's the week to week thing. I'm a millennial and I want it all at once. Here's the the difficulty with that. For me, I had the same, almost the same exact experience that I did reading this book. I, for some reason, just could not get into it. And I did actually start watching the show. I saw a few episodes. I really loved it. I loved Amy Adams' performance. She was great. And then I had to take some kind of pause. For some reason, I stopped it. And then I think it got spoiled for me, unfortunately. So I don't think that I could go back to that show and accurately review it or have an opinion on it, but I do eventually want to to finish that, especially after seeing this and seeing what uh, Miss Flynn can do. I'm I'm definitely going to give her <laughs> a, a better chance when I read her books. Because what was the one that uh, was adapted with uh, Charlize Theron? Um, okay, that was like dark something. Dark places or dark... dark okay, so there's sharp objects and dark something. Let me Google it. <laughs> Hold while we Google... Because I heard that one was super good, too. That didn't come out. Did that come out in theaters? I don't ever remember that coming out in theaters. I assume it did. I think it was before all of these projects, though. I would have seen it in theaters, but Dark Places. You would have or want to? I would have. Dark Places. Yeah, it's Dark Places. Dark Places. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I like... I just need to I just need to power through the beginnings, I guess. Oh, <laughs> it has really... a it has a twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh shit. Who did I hear from that it was a a good movie? Maybe not. I don't know. Somebody with worse taste than me. I guess so. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Speaking of the Were you finished? No, yeah, I was just messing with you. Keep going. Sp- Speaking of the book, I just kind of wanted to go over some of the differences. And actually knowing that that she did the screenplay as well makes this even more interesting. So in the book, Amy presents this fear of blood often uh, and even pretends to pass out after watching like blood donations to kind of throw her off the scent even more. Oh, wow. uh, and in the book, to you know, like in the movie, she used the IV to collect her blood. Mm-hmm. In the books, she just uses a, a box cutter, which was like... That was a little bit. It was very dark. Actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I found all these in an article, and there was one point that I want to quote directly, that, that came, something that came from the book that I thought was really, really cool. Not cool, but interesting. Uh, Amy also writes extensively in her journal about her upbringing. Her mother had several miscarriages before having Amy and named all the unborn babies Hope. The Hopes, whose birthdays are all remembered every year, hang over Amy's head all her life since she will never be able to achieve the perfection of an unborn child. And I've read some Reddit articles and stuff that sort of dive into Amy and her sociopathic, psychopathic tendencies and stuff. And it talks about this whole Amazing Amy series and how her parents really uh were shoving in her face this idea of perfection and constantly reminding her how she wasn't living up to that and that is a very clear sign of you know an upbringing of like a sociopath just never feeling like you're good enough and sort of having to hide your emotions and that kind of thing so um i just thought that was a really interesting thing to put in the book and i'm surprised that it wasn't in the movie yeah really i could think of like a couple of places where uh her monologue you know yeah. that would have fit nicely in her monologue Mm-hmm. Wow. Just the idea of like the hopes. I like I, it's a really interesting plot point. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get the idea that she feels like 
she's not living up to what her parents expect because of the fact that her her parents are writing her getting married and getting, yeah. you know, all these <laughs> things before she does any of it. Yeah, yeah. In the book, she drugs Desi before killing him. And I'm glad that that was changed in the movie because that scene is a fucking mind blower. It is awesome. Oh, totally. The music, just perfection. I, I love that change. Uh, there apparently was a part in the book where Amy drinks antifreeze, which makes her vomit, which she then saves and threatened to use as proof supporting Nick's abuse at some point. Oh, wow. And also in the book is Nick's father. He has a, a much bigger part in the book. He's sort of constantly seen as bad mouthing women. He's always I, I think it's a sign of his like dementia or Alzheimer's. Yeah. Uh, and he's constantly, this is shown a little bit in the movie, but in the book, I remember it being very heavy about him just making these, uh, side remarks, just calling women a bitch, like driving down the road, he'll just see someone and just be like, bitch, 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 what a bitch. Uh, and I think that's, I'm surprised it wasn't more heavy in the movie because I think that's also a supporting factor for Nick's abuse allegations. Like, oh, he has this upbringing of this really abusive father. You know, he has that in him. He has the capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish this movie was like three hours long because that would have been really good to include as well. Oh, I have something funny. This is kind of funny. Uh, So Ben Affleck and and Carrie Coon are are twins in this movie, right? Yes. Okay. Nick and Margot. Ben Affleck is nine years older than Carrie Coon. Oh, my God. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I was about to be like, what's his secret? To staying young. And I was like, it's money, obviously. And <laughs> need to get on that. Also, I so Carrie Coon is Margot. She was in Infinity War. Did you know that? Yeah. I was just about to tell you that. Yes. Has, She's Proxima Midnight. Well, I mean, so I had to look up <laughs> I had to look up who that was. I don't I didn't remember who Proxima Midnight was. But I realized that like Proxima Midnight is just like head to toe in makeup and prosthetics. Like she's oh, an alien. She's a, she's not even pros- makeup and prosthetics. They're all motion capture. Oh shit. Okay. Well yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh she's one of Thanos' children. She's like one of the what, five or six that are like a part of his So there's four. What isn't there a name for that? There's four. Uh, children of Thanos is like Okay. Um, the Black Order, I think. It's been a while since it's it's been like two weeks since I've seen seen Infinity War. They don't <laughs> use a lot of the terminology in that movie, and that sort of kind of bummed me out. Like I wish you knew more about those four. Okay, so back to Gone Girl. We've made some fun detours. <laughs> oh, this actually has like very little to do with Gone Girl, but this is totally my next point. <laughs> okay. Wait, no, okay. So I'll go to this first. Um, another thing, the whole house was a set that they built, and the shots where you can see anything through the doors and the windows are all visual effects. It's all green screen. Isn't that cool? Oh, wow, no shit. Interesting. Because, like, they're shooting throughout the house, and if you are shooting just in a regular house, obviously there's, you know, location restrictions when it comes to how you can set the camera up, but there's mm-hmm. also, like... If you're shooting a day scene, you only have a certain amount of daylight. Whereas if you're on a set and you're in a house, yeah, they can – it's all artificial. Okay, so here's the point that has nothing to do with anything. So I told you that David Fincher did music videos mm-hmm. before. And I just want to tell you some of them because I think that's really cool. Oh, I hope I've seen these. You have. You have. These are These are famous ones. Okay, you might not have seen Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith, but that's a really popular one. But I know that, I know that you've song. seen – Express Yourself and Vogue by Madonna. Yes, okay. He directed both of those. Um, wow. Freedom by George Michael. 
Mm-mm. Freedom. Like, I know the song. I haven't. I have not seen the video. Okay. Well, yeah, you are uncultured. I know. I told you. Thank you for ruining this segment. He directed was that it? High by Justin Timberlake <laughs> and uh, Jay Z. That one I've seen. Um, who is it with Michael Jackson? Yeah. Okay. Continue. <laughs> we need to make another playlist because I now I want to see all of them. The story was actually inspired by a real life case, like a real life murder case. It was the Lacey Peterson case. Uh, it was basically, you know, pregnant wife went missing and the husband seemed strangely calm about it. Uh, and the difference is that in this case, he actually did murder her. So that's nuts. Hearing that and knowing the story that was drawn out from it is sort of dark. Like, oh no, in my story, she actually didn't get murdered. And you can find inspiration anywhere. Yeah, you can. Yeah, but that's kind of dark. It's very dark. It's very dark. So I just want to finish this discussion off by talking about why I love this movie so much. I think it it stands out a lot from other kind of suspenseful thrillers of its genre. I love the tone. I love that this is an entire game that's played out against the backdrop of this white suburban America and really highlights how superficial that kind of lifestyle is. David Fincher, I think, did a great job of making us feel like we were sort of behind the scenes to this he said, she said kind of debacle in game. I think my favorite part is when this this is genius to me. It's when the interview with Nick is being broadcast and Nick is watching it. Uh, Amy's watching it. Yes. As he's watching it. We were talking like, about this. Yes. The editing is beautiful. When they just it's so perfect. Yeah. So perfect. And, and it's like having direct reactions to all of these people all at the same time. It's just a, a brilliant mechanic in this movie. And so like Missy Pyle's dialogue never sort of stops, but you right. transition through the mm-hmm. different people watching it. And it's just like. It's not stopped. It's not repeated. Like as an editor, my heart stopped. Yeah. Yeah. It just, oh. That, that might be like my favorite part of the movie. It was, mm-hmm. it was amazing. It's beautiful. In the same discussion that it's a satire, I love that it took two days, two days for there to be an entire campaign to find this white woman. Two days. Like everything that was happening, they had this whole congregation assembled and they were like trying to find her. And I remember telling you, I'm like, it's been two fucking days since she's been missing. This is so like it's so absurd. Uh, and obviously that was done on purpose, which I love. Yeah. And it included like a whole website and a benefit and a vigil. And she used this like tacky suburban white America to her fucking advantage. And that is so like she knew how these people would react to a T. She knew exactly how to manipulate them. She knew exactly how to manipulate Nick. Oh, Just very clearly. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. with the, I, I think my favorite part of the movie is them actually showing you how she did each thing. And she's like, befriend, idiot neighbor. Like, steal, idiot neighbors, pee. Like, it's amazing. And she's like, one thing America loves is pregnant women. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, Oh, they do, for sure. She she knows how to play the game, man. I love it. Uh, I love that, uh, we kind of talked about this before, but I love that uh, Miss Flynn wrote a character. Mrs. Miss Flynn? Uh, I think Gillian, Gillian. You can call... Anyone miss if you don't know. Okay. Misses is, I think, just a married woman. Gotcha. Well, she wrote a character that is uh, so multifaceted. I'm talking about Amy. I love that she found a way to create a character that knew 
how the world treated women so intimately that she used that to her advantage. And she ultimately left Nick kind of like stunned and defeated by the end of it. Totally. Um, and I love that Nick is sort of the opposite. She kind of embodies sort of all of the tropes, like every single one of the tropes uh, of of a woman and Nick is the opposite. He's sort of this like man child trope that's like finally bested, that's finally defeated, if you will. And then I also love the comment on the media and how untrustworthy it can be. And I love that they showed how it preyed on ignorance to try and sell a story. And it definitely made me look at some things in my life and my timelines a little bit differently. Uh, I definitely left this movie learning something about about how to read the media and how to not trust it sometimes. So, wow, um, that's so special. That's awesome that it like affected you outside of all of this. You know what I'm talking about here? We were just talking about this last week about a certain celebrity and like watching this movie kind of put all of that in motion. And it's like, I thought that I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't listen to the media. I'm like, I'm so above that. I don't, I don't, I take everything I read with a grain of salt. And that is so not true. I definitely have to like step back and think and be like, okay, maybe this isn't all oh, <laughs> completely. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, wild. we, I don't, we can't talk about it, but no, <laughs> yeah, I totally understand what you mean. But yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm so, so glad that I finally watched this movie. There are certain movies in my life that I, will rewatch if I'm just sort of bored or if I'm just like really craving something to watch lately. It's been a lot of devil wears Prada. That's sort of been my go-to oh, movie in the last, yeah, it's I such a great movie. movie so much. Um, it's not perfect, but it's, it's, it, no, it, it's perfect. Shut up. <laughs> it scratches that itch for sure. It's uh, but I perfect. think this one, <laughs> there's a specific montage that I'm really not a fan of in that movie. Oh uh, my God. Like, yes. The montage where she's just walking. And I love that, that, that music cue that plays Ugh. every, Oh yeah. Oh, it's perfect. terrible. It's, it's so cringy. Perfect. I have to fast forward every time. It's when she just learns that she's going to Paris and she has to like debate whether or not she wants to tell Emily. And she's taking this really thoughtful walk in her little black hat against all these like, stores and on the sidewalk of New York. She's just really, she's really struggling with this decision. And the song is just cheesy as fuck and I hate it, but we're not here to talk about that. I'm just saying that Gone Girl is, (laughs) Gone Girl is added to that list. Like, I think I might buy this so that I have it. It's on Hulu. Uh, It's just, I know, but I'm not sure if it'll be there forever. It will. And I don't know. I just, I like having a collection, I suppose. No, I get it. I get it. It is definitely... It's weird because it's such a like a kind of disturbing film, but it's sort of like a feel good. Like, oh, I, I'm sort of it makes me happy because of how good it is. You know, it's so magnetic. It's it's just it pulls you right in. Yeah. So like I watched the Saul movies. Well, OK, so they all just dropped on HBO Max, like all of the Saul movies. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I'm like kind of down today. I'm going to watch Saul too and make myself feel better. And it did. I love oh. how movies can affect your mood like that. Yay. <laughs> so glad. I'm very happy for you that you find a uh, peace in in unusual areas. That's that's good. <laughs> so what a weird thing to say. Okay, so uh we did we did Gone Girl and now I feel finally like I am appeased. You have finally made me happy. <laughs> I'm glad that I can like I can die now. Good. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> Such a jerk. 
Hello, dear listeners. Thank you for tuning in yet again uh, and joining our discussion this week. If you would like to hear more, you can visit Take3AMP.com. And for news and updates, you can follow us on all major social media sites at Take3AMP. And as always, those are all the number three. If you would like to support us, it is completely free to visit us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. It helps us reach more listeners and lets us know how we're doing. Again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you.